What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned in to the Fistful of Cash podcast. I am your host, Dale Lippin. I'm in studio by myself this evening as Brother Bear Soup is feeling slightly under the weather. Uh, he was dealing with some adverse uh, conditions the other night and as such got himself in a little bit of a cold. Last week we were both already under the weather. I know I'm listening to myself and just having to deal with myself all week. I was a little nasally. Things were a little... Uh, on the congested side. So I'm feeling a little bit better. Um, I'm still feeling like I got a bit of breakup and buildage build up in my, my sinus and stuff like that. So there might be a couple pauses here and there where I try to catch my breath or avoid coughing in the microphone for you guys. And I'll edit out as much as I can to make this thing seamless. But, uh, as such, he's under the weather and I'm flying solo. So going to take this time to sort of marinate on the weekend that we had. Um, it was an interesting weekend in the sense that we had a couple big wins and we had a couple big losses too. Um, and that's just, you know, that's the betting game. Um, as of right now, going into the Rams Monday night game, uh, Rams versus Raiders, we have the Rams at minus four. This is pre-kickoff. Um, so I'm recording this earlier in the night than, than we normally do. Uh, just based off the fact that I live in the Southeast and we are supposed to get decimated by Hurricane Florence. So I wanted to get in a little bit earlier, um, get something recorded and get it out. So that way, uh, you know, you guys have something going through the week. I don't know what Friday's show will look like if there will be a Friday show just based off of, uh, you know, electricity availability, internet, any of that stuff. We have no idea how bad the storm's going to be right now. They got it at category four. It's supposed to hit us directly. Um, but you know, you never really know until it's right on you. I mean, they've had these things take 90 degree turns fairly quickly. Um, so yeah, uh, I wanted to make sure that I got something out for you guys and girls and just make sure that, uh, you know, there was something to sort of satiate, uh, the hunger for information, you know, moving forward throughout the week. Uh, and I wanted to go over what we what we got right and what we got wrong this weekend because it was a big weekend. There was a lot to cover. Um, it was our first weekend that we had a UFC event in addition to football, both professional and collegiate. Um, and you know, you had the U.S. Open, which we didn't cover, but there was controversy there with Serena. Um, it was just a big weekend for sports. It was really massive. Uh, so you know, being by myself tonight not really having the time constraints that we normally deal with. Like I said, I just sort of wanted to, uh, you know, sit down and take some time and go over what we got right and what we got wrong this weekend, uh, and, and do so in a way that's fair to everybody's interest. Uh, I am going to tell you right now, cause you're going to hear it anyway. I always record with beer in hand and I've got another one tonight. So I'm going to take a sip, get this whistle wet before we get into it. And here we go. So the first thing that I want to cover um, is what we got right and what we got wrong this weekend. And then we'll, 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 uh, Quentin Tarantino, everything, and we'll go back, uh, to the beginning and cover it all. So, uh, for those of you that are uninitiated into the Patreon, um, picks, which shout out our newest, uh, Patreon supporters, Glenn, Mike, Timothy, and Patrick, our newest Patreon supporter. So shout out to you guys. Um, if you aren't in on the Patreon, by all means, navigate there, 
patreon.com forward slash fistful of cash, and you'll get in on these picks that I'm going to cover first here. So one of the Patreon picks was Michigan at minus 27 to cover, and they did so easily. Um, you know, Michigan bounced back from the Notre Dame game, and they looked really they looked really good. Now, granted, it wasn't against high-quality competition or upper-level competition, but they seemed to be, you know, trying to correct the ship, uh, right the ship, if you will, as much as they can. So uh, that was one of our picks, which went over well. One of the other ones was Michigan State versus Arizona State at 53.5. I'm just going to say this. Michigan State sucks. Um, you know, I, I record aside... I've just that bumbling, fumbling offense is just nonsensical at best. Their defense, you know, you would never te- you'd never be able to tell that they were returning the amount of starters that they're returning. I just cannot get on board uh, with Michigan State. In fact, I think I'm done with Michigan State as a whole until college basketball starts up, and then maybe I'll start talking about Michigan State some more. Uh, if, you know, if soup obviously wants to circle back the, you know, the wagons back around to them, or if they're in like some sort of compelling matchup, maybe, but this is two weeks in and two weeks in a row where they've burned us. The over was at 53 and a half. They got nowhere near that against the shoddy Arizona state team, but I digress, uh, whatever. Um, Steelers versus Browns was another one. So was it 41 and a half? Uh, we went with the under, but we advised everybody to buy the half point up to the 42, and it finished at 42. So that was a push. So you got your money back. Uh, not necessarily a loss, but it wasn't a win either. Nobody made any money off of that unless you went all out and bet bet on a tie, which if you did, kudos to you. Send me a slip. I want to see that. Um, and then the last Patreon pick that we had was uh, on the UFC fight card, John Dodson versus Jimmy Rivera. Um, that is, we we had Rivera by decision on there, which of course that's what it went to. And you know, Dodson's camp think that he had a he had a a, a strong case for winning the fight. Rivera's camp obviously thought they had a strong case, and it was a unanimous decision. And Rivera did win the fight outright. Um, John Dodson, so one dimensional anymore. The, the air quote magician portion of John Dodson is long gone. He literally is just rush in left hand, rush in left hand, rush in left hand. He's, he's too easily figured out. I don't anticipate him being anything more than a gatekeeper at best, uh, in either the Bantamweight or flyweight division. If he decides to go back down, I'm just not, uh, I think time is as caught up with John Dotson as far as his ability to come in and impose himself and use that trademark speed and knockout power that he has for a guy his size but he's just too easily figured out he's fallen in love with that um that left hand and you know he just refuses to let it go you know same thing not quite as egregious of an offense as like Dan Henderson um, you know, who's supposed to be an Olympic level wrestler, but never threw anything other than a right hand and the, uh, head kick elbow knockout that he had of Hector Lombard. That was literally the only strikes that he's ever thrown, uh, outside of that right hand in like the last eight years. So Dodson's not that bad, but he's pretty close as far as what he's really committed himself to when it comes to, uh, what he's showing his opponents. 
Uh, I'm going to circle back real quick. There was another pick on the Patreon that we forgot, and that's the the Rams versus Raiders at the Rams minus four. I covered that earlier, but I forgot to mention that was a Patreon pick. So uh, if the Rams cover at minus four, we'll get another uh, Patreon pick right. So keeping with the theme of UFC, we had Nico Price versus Abdul uh, Razak Al-Hassan. Um, I had Price to win somewhere in the second round, but I also advised everybody basically to – uh, take out a second mortgage and bet that the fight wasn't going to go the distance. Now that fight was at a minus four fifty to not go the distance, so you know it wasn't like people uh, were wondering whether or not that fight would go to decision. Um, but if you bet higher than a five unit bet, then you were making you you know you were obviously uh, winning some money back off that. So we didn't get price right, uh, but we did get the not go the distance right. It was foolish on my part to think that a fight like that was going to make it out of the second round. Um, it wasn't until after we recorded, I saw an interview with Price where he was saying that, um, you know, basically he just declared his intent to go in and just bang with Al Hassan. And I knew in doing that, um, the second round thing was not going to be an option. So while I like the fight to not go to decision, um, the idea of it not uh, the idea of it making it past the first round was foolish on my part. Uh, and Al Hassan looks good. Um, you know he's a talented guy, but we haven't seen enough of him. And that sort of stand there with your hands down at your side and just swing hooks as hard as you possibly can sort of like a uh, a younger Derek Brunson, I think is going to catch up to him uh, once he starts facing higher-level competition. But that being said, I don't know what he's going to look like when he faces higher-level competition because he, you know, he hasn't shown us anything more than first-round knockouts. So, uh, you know, if you keep smoking the competition in the first – two minutes of a fight, it's hard to see what you look like or what skill set you have outside of that. So, um, yeah, price was wrong, but, uh, inside the distance was right. So that moves us on to the main event of the evening. Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till. My pick was Woodley and inside the distance Woodley won in the second round via Darce choke, a very nice cinched up, super tight Darce choke. Um, I was concerned with the fight as far as the first 30 seconds. Tyron rushed in, tried to close the distance real fast, like we talked about, and clinched up with Till until just sort of set his hips back. And Woodley could not move him. Um, He absolutely could not move him. So it literally looked like Woodley was trying to rip a tree out of the ground it, he, there was just nothing he could do. So I was sitting there watching it and I thought to myself, Oh shit, we're in trouble. Um, you know, obviously my thought that he was going to try to stay on his bike the entire time. That's why he came in thin was wrong. Uh, but you know, it's weird in that the, the combination that Darren Till threw to close the distance on Woodley is the same one that, in every one of his promo videos and even his open workouts 
going into this. It's the same one that he throws. It's just a, it's like an up jab with a, you know, with a straight behind it and then coming back over the top with like a normal jab, but where he sort of turns the wrist on it and he, he just does the same. He, it was the same thing. So, you know, he comes in, he closes the distance real quick and the, the, because that first one is sort of like a, like a shovel jab or like an up jab, he's nowhere near protecting himself the way that he should be. And Woodley counters it perfect. Um, with a straight right. And, you know, that's really the shot when Woodley's closing the distance that fighters need to be aware of. And I think that Till obviously would have known that. Um, but for some reason, you know, that combination that he throws, while it may look cool and fancy and a little like karate slash mixed with Taekwondo uh, feel to it, you know, a lot of times fighters will pick up bad habits in the gym, throwing combinations in a way that feels comfortable to them, but they aren't fundamentally sound. And that combination is something that he should really work on getting rid of because it leaves him super exposed. Um, and you know, it's also one that he tried to throw a lot against wonder boy. And had he not blown out wonder boy's knee with those dirty, like knee kicks, it's one of those ones that guys like, Stephen Thompson and Tyron Woodley, they sit and they wait on as counter punchers to rush in at. Um, and I think that if Till is ever going to put himself, you know, back in true contention for the belt, that's something he needs to shore up in a hurry. He's got to learn to get those hands back up. Um, it's, you know, these upper level 170 guys, and then, you know, Lord help him when he goes to 185. Um, those guys hit too hard for you to be lackadaisical with four ounce gloves on. That being said, when Woodley did drop him, he hit him with some of the most wild ground and pound I've ever seen. And he just weathered the storm. Like, you know, it was like, it was like a, you know, a leisurely Thursday evening roll with a sparring partner that he liked. I mean, he was just sort of, you know, he was in recovery mode for a while, but then he was just, you know, taking big elbow after big elbow and um you know didn't seem with the exception of a cut on his hairline didn't seem that worse for the wear because of it and even his face afterwards you know if you watch the fight you see the shots he took and you're like how's this guy look like this afterwards i mean he literally looked like maybe you know the same way he would after a rough day of sparring i i mean it's just it was wild so i don't know what's next for him um, I don't know what would exist for him at 170. So they're going to give Covington the fight against Woodley, hopefully at UFC 230 Madison Square Garden. That would be great if Woodley's healthy and ready to go. Um, you know, Stephen Thompson's out indefinitely from knee surgery from that fight. So I don't know if you just have him fight Wonder Boy again. Um, Dos Anjos got rocked. He's done for a bit. Uh, Robbie Lawler just got booked for a fight. I don't know who you have till fight. I think maybe move him up to middleweight now. Um, you know, while he still has the staying power, the last thing you want him to do is stay around a welterweight one more time or for one more fight and miss weight again or catch another loss. Um, and then go up to go up to middleweight. So, you know, you want to put him up at middleweight now and give him, 
not somebody that he can beat. I mean, you don't want to give him a can, but you do want to give him somebody that he's got a high probability of beating and then slowly work him up and, uh, you know, acclimate him to the middleweight division. So let's see what his body looks like at 185 pounds with not that big of a weight cut. He can probably put on some more muscle. Maybe we'll see what happens from there. Um, but moving on, other picks that we got right. We put a big unit bet down on Mississippi State to cover at seven, which they did easily. Uh, also called Penn State to cover uh, the eight against um, Pitt, and they just destroyed Pitt. Um, then, then things got weird to end the weekend. So the Panthers versus the Cowboys pick. I want to clarify some things here. So if you listen to that episode of the podcast where we cover this pick, it starts out by Soup saying, we're taking the under here. And the under was at 42. So then we go on to speak, and every bit of language that we use for the rest of that section uh, or that space and time in the podcast is spent on us talking about the over and how we wanted to take the over because of how Carolina's offense has looked in the preseason. So the bet for that in a full transparency was the over, even though we said it was the under. Um, If you were fortunate enough to listen to that first part, pause it, gospel truth it, and put a slip in for the under, you won. But if you listen to the whole thing and you're like, oh, that guy slipped up, they're talking about the over and bet the over, you lost. So that's one of those ones where, you know, that was a little bit, um, we were just rushing a little bit there and we didn't catch it the first time and I didn't catch it on editing. I just didn't catch it. So that was supposed to be the Panthers versus the Cowboys with the over. 18 to 6, obviously the over did not hit. Um, the Panthers looked bad, but they were only saved by how terrible the Cowboys looked. Um, I don't necessarily know uh, that Dak Prescott is going to work out in the league with the way he's been playing uh, end of last season, this, this start of this season. I'm not sure how much longer that guy can be around. He's him and Jameis Winston are probably, I think Jameis Winston with the way that, that Ryan Fitzpatrick played, uh, will be looking for a job sooner rather than, than Prescott will. But I don't, you know, they might want to look into buying a house together, maybe, you know, sharing the, the cost of rent. Um, cause I think they're both bound to be unemployed here in the next couple seasons. Uh, then, you know, this is the one that, that, that stings the most. Um, we recommended a high unit as high as you want a unit at play for the Packers to cover. Uh, we recommended buying down to the six and a half just to be sure there wasn't a push with some weird late touchdown. Um, and then all hell broke loose. Um, first of all, kudos to the bears for picking up Khalil Mack. Uh, that guy is an absolute animal. Not that I'm telling anybody that listens to this something they don't already know, but goodness gracious, is he must see TV. Um, and, you know, the NFC North has got 
eight, you know, um, a watcher on the wall, if you will. I mean, that guy is, he, he's outstanding. Um, and as such, the Packers looked like garbage early. And then the worst of the worst happened. Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Now, it's really easy to say that the Packers, you know, should cover the seven with a healthy Aaron Rodgers. And even listening to Soup's breakdown, that's the that's the key component that he gives at the very beginning. You know, this with a healthy Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau, this is what to expect. And, you know, when Aaron Rodgers isn't healthy, the Packers are terrible. Luckily, he came back um, and, you know, I'm, I've yet to see a report on the extent of the injury or what, in fact, it was. It looked horrible when it happened, but the guy came out and pulled classic Aaron Rodgers moves and won the game 24-23 despite the injury. So great that the Packers won, but crap that they didn't cover. So, you know, we recommended a high unit play on that and it didn't pan out. Um, but not counting the Rams game, if you played everything exactly the way we said to play it, um, depending on how big you went on the Packers and how big you went on Mississippi State, it's at, we're currently at plus three units for the weekend, which isn't the weekend that if you've been following us from the very beginning, is something that you're accustomed to because we've been winning so big, but it's still a winning weekend. So we've got to take our wins where we can get them. And sometimes in a, in the gambling game, in the betting game, even weekend um, is better than a losing weekend, obviously, but a winning, uh, an even weekend can even feel like a winning weekend given all the circumstances. And when you can't account for, uh, a high-powered offense like Carolina showing up, which they did not do. Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. Uh, a Steelers versus Browns tie in Michigan State just setting themselves on fire and the sacrifice to the football gods. Please make us good. Um, you, you can't account for stuff like that. Stuff like that seems like shore locks, and they come out and they just throw a turd on the field. Um, there's not much that we can do about that. Uh, and that's not much, you know, everybody, if you're, if you're wagering, you know that. So we've got a big weekend coming up again this upcoming weekend. Um, but I wanted to spend some time and I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast knows at this point, uh, you know, while I do my best with football things, um, really, you know, and we'll get into this more once basketball season starts, um, Combat sports and basketball are more my forte rather than anything else. But, you know, obviously I watch every down of football humanly possible. I just may not have some of the fact retention and gleaning insight that soup brings to the table. But I wanted to take this time to go over some things that happened this weekend that, you know, really stood out to me. And, you know, just, I guess maybe, you know, just sort of touch base on some things, some observations I had. One, Andrew Luck is back. The dude looked fantastic. Uh, you know, you know, bless the Colts. They didn't give him any, you know, uh, they didn't give him any, you know, gray area. Hope you feel better. Let's ease into it time. I mean, the guy had 53 pass attempts in his first game back in, you know, 
well over a year. So hope your shoulder feels better, Andrew. Let's, let's start throwing. Um, so, you know, he looked good. He didn't look great, but he looked good. Uh, 39 for 53, 319 yards, two touchdowns. Not bad at all. Um, the opposite end of the spectrum, Jimmy G, uh, you know, whatever it's supposed to be the saving grace of the 49ers did not look good at all. Um, you know, I can't help but wonder if ego or work ethic comes into play with him. I know that the 49ers coaching staff is really high up on him and they, they, you know, they think that not only is he the future of their team, but the league, but, um, you know, he's got a lot of eyes on him outside of the, uh, outside of the stadium. And you know what? I mean, I don't hate on the guy, live your best life, you know, do your thing. So, you know, I can't say that I blame him for living that way. I'm not an NFL quarterback that looks the way that he does, that makes his money. Uh, but that's probably, you know, the reason why I don't, because I'd probably be dead already if I had that kind of, you know, uh, stuff available to me. So I can't help but wonder how much of that is distracting and, and, and affecting his gameplay. He did not look good at all. Um, I'm glad in a sense that soup's not here because we don't have to talk about the Patriots, but we will say this Tom versus time. Tom continues to win, uh, and Gronk Gronked. So seven receptions for 123 yards and a touchdown. Good for you, Gronk. Uh, you're a giant man, baby and a human cheat code. So good for you. Um, I guess the biggest takeaway, and I alluded to this earlier was Ryan Fitzpatrick still has a lot of gas in the tank, man, did he look electric? Um, he can run, he can throw, he's got a great beard, which I believe holds all of his skill and talent. So good on him for that. Uh, any man that's willing to, to wear that and can grow it and wear it. You have my respect as a fellow bearded man. Good for you. Um, there's nothing worse than seeing a guy that can grow a monster beard and he walks around clean shaven like a church usher all day long. My man, you got to let that grow from time to time. Accept your gifts and grow it. And Fitzpatrick does. And he uses it to his advantage. And he absolutely lit the Saints on fire. Um, Drew Brees, you know, did his thing as he does. Um, I believe he's the most accurate quarterback to ever play the game. Um, I, I, I would be remiss if I said, if I didn't think that he could, you know, literally go duck hunting with a football, um, and, and come back and feed his family. Uh, Saquon Barkley looked fantastic. Uh, you know, busted off that huge run. Yeah, he looks to be what the Giants need him to be. Uh, very impressive for a rookie. Ty Freak Hill, my man. Ooh, seven receptions, 169 yards, two touchdowns. Ty Freak did his thing all over the Chargers, and I'm thankful for it. Not that you know, not that we're talking about fantasy teams or anything like that. But if you had him on your team, you had a great weekend. So good on that. Um, and then you know, like I said before, Dak Prescott. Uh, uh, I'm just, I don't know, man. Uh, he just frustrates me to no end. And I'm not sure that him and Marcus Mariota, James Winston, they're all sort of cut from similar cloth. They all sort of play the same. And I don't see any of the three of them. Um, if they continue to play the, the way they've been playing, uh, being in the league 
much longer. I'm not saying that they're going to be unemployed by the end of the year, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be a weird next couple seasons for them um, if they continue to play the way they play. So that's some takeaways that I had from the NFL weekend. Uh, but the big thing that struck me this weekend was from UFC 228. And if you haven't been privy to it yet, you know, depending on what your trigger level is, Snoop, um, you know, he, there was some controversy surrounding him after the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather fight. Um, in the same way that everybody's got that uncle or grandpa that gets a little racist when they get too much booze in them, Snoop's the same way. Um, and I know that they removed him from commentary on the contender series and all that kind of stuff for, uh, or that show he had with Uriah Faber. Um, I, I don't think that his behavior, you know, at the risk of sounding prudish here, I don't think that that's acceptable in the sense that, one, you're a casual fight fan. You had Colby Covington and Darren Till mixed up. Um, and you're obviously race baiting with every video that you post on social media. And if it were flipped the other way around, it would be a very big deal. Not to say that this isn't a big deal because it is gaining or, you know, media attention. But if I can't help but think that if, I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody that regularly attends UFC events, Chris Pratt, if Chris Pratt put out a similar video, uh, shouting the the racial epitaphs and the and, and the profanity and the things that like that that he did towards any fighter, right? Whether white, black, yellow, purple, green polka dots, doesn't matter. If he did that, then it would be a much bigger deal. Uh but for some reason, you know, Snoop seems to be getting a pass on this. And I just don't think that that's right. Um you know, I don't know what repercussions or record or recourse you could take against a guy like that. And that that's to say that there's none, but it's just, I expect, you know, if you're going to be one of the people that climb aboard any sort of platform and are staunch supporters for social change, you need to put yourself in the position, not necessarily to be above reproach because no one is, but to be, uh, an example if somebody were to shine a light on you that you can say, well, that's not me. Uh, it may be like that for some people, but it's not like that for me. And I just didn't appreciate, you know, the hypocritical nature of the way he's been, you know, advocating, um, for and against police brutality, which is absolutely an issue that needs handled. Um, racial inequality, which again is absolutely an issue, an issue that needs handled and resolved. Um, but you can't be a proponent for that and then be, you know, on social media acting and conducting the way yourself, the way that you are. It's just one, it makes you look silly, which he did. He looks silly and, 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 and hatred towards a group of people is silly. Um, you know, Nobody looks at people like that and says, wow, it's a highly intelligent person there. Um, 
you know, operating with that much hatred in your heart, one, is exhausting from a, a energy standpoint, but two, it just shows a level of intelligence that's below what's necessary to have thought-provoking, change-inducing conversation. And not that I expect more out of him, but it was just, you know, it's like your parents would tell you, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. It just seemed unnecessary. And you didn't even have the fighters right. He was acting as if Darren Till was Colby Covington, and he's not. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know. It just it was it was it was upsetting, but it was also confusing and also a little sad all at the same time. Um, but moving on away from that, I'll get off my soapbox since we're talking about people climbing up on platforms. Uh, we had a big boxing fights this weekend. So Sean Porter beat Danny Garcia. Um, you know, I guess from the eyeball test, Sean Porter won, but in my opinion, having watched the fight afterwards, Danny Garcia outlanded him in both total punches and power punches. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know boxing boxing judging isn't as frustrating as MMA but man if they're not close um but you know Danny Garcia is a young kid he's super talented you know both these guys were fighting for a belt that was vacated by Keith Thurman cuz he was injured so it's not even like they beat Thurman to win the belt so it's not like an interim title but it's not really your belt either so you know, I look for Thurman to come back and just beat whoever has it. Um, Sean Porter and Errol Spence are trying to advocate for a fight with each other. As soon as Porter won, Spence was calling him out on Twitter or whatever, and and Porter seemed to seemingly want to agree to the fight almost immediately. So maybe we'll get that by the end of the year. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Also, Amir Khan came back. Um, you know, I. I in my younger days, I was a huge fan of Amir Khan. Just his speed and accuracy, precision was just something that was just, you know, almost once in a generation. Just wild. Uh, but then that chin went. So the things that Khan's really good at, he's super good at. And the the, the deficiency, deficiencies that he has, sorry, are glaring. Um, and his chin is one of them. So, you know, he fought a super tough Samuel Vargas and Vargas put him on his ass in the second round, um, which, you know, a power puncher and, and a scrapper like Vargas, um, you know, you, you had the feeling that that was a possibility and lo and behold, if he didn't do it, but in his, you know, to Khan's defense, you know, he rallied. He was in control of the fight. He won the fight easily. He got rocked again in the 10th, um, and he was doing the stanky leg. But again, you know, every time Vargas had him in trouble, Khan came back stronger, and he did what was necessary to win. He still wants the Pacquiao fight. Um, That fight was really compelling back when Pacquiao was super fast, and now he's just quick. So um, you've got a fast con versus a quick Pacquiao, and Pacquiao's got the power. Um, it feels weird to pick a guy as old as Pacquiao to win a fight like that. I would have loved to have seen this fight four or five years ago. Um, but I like the uh, – I guess I like the matchup now just because there's no name, there's not a whole lot of name power in boxing. 
and I would like to see two guys with a name that, you know, one wants to fight the other, uh, you know, actually get in the ring and go at it. And, you know, they'll both get paid for it, and it'll be nice. And, you know, I, I wonder what Manny's money situation's like between his 150-person entourage and all his, po- you know, political ventures and businesses and recording albums. And I think he was a professional basketball player in the Philippines once. I really don't know if... Manny's either got more money than he knows what to do with, or he's got no money and he'll be fighting until he's a vegetable. One of the two. Um, but you know, that as far as name power goes, the biggest fight that you can possibly make with the only one even being close would probably be, uh, Wilder versus Joshua, um, is happening this weekend. And that's triple G versus Canelo. I'm excited for this fight. I was all in on Triple G going into the first fight. I cannot believe how well Canelo did in that fight. Um, I didn't have it as a draw. I had I had Triple G winning by a round, but that's okay. Triple G says he's angry this time. I don't know what an angry Triple G looks like, but I'm sure it's terrifying, or it will leave him susceptible to being knocked out. And Canelo landed quite a few great counter right hands um, in that first fight. So I wonder what it looks like when Triple G gets real angry. Does it make him laser focused or does it make him strobe light sloppy? You know, I wonder how that's going to play out. Um, I'm sort of... On the fence with my pick for this one, I'll have my pick figured out with a full fight breakdown come Friday show. But just to get everybody geared up and in the right mindset, Triple G versus Canelo is this weekend. It's on pay-per-view. There's not a lot of boxing pay-per-views that you're going to hear me you know, staunchly advocate by this pay-per-view. But I think that this one will be relative, relatively controversy-free and what you know is going to provide a lot of bang for the buck plus this will be a fight whether it's a snooze fest or a slug fest that people will probably be talking about for at least the end of the year and it's not one that you just want to catch the highlights on youtube the day after um you know if you didn't watch the first one i highly suggest going back finding it and watching it because it's one of those ones where it's like um, trying to find something that I can compare it to uh, as far as controversial draws. Um, but it's it's one of those it's a fight that depending on whose eyes are viewing it and what kind of mood you're in for the day depends on how you score that fight. So that's sort of the contentious, you know, drama leading up to this fight, not to mention the Canelo Mexican tainted meat steroid thing, which is legitimately a problem. The, you know, the FDA sort of, or USDA rather, um, grading of the beef, I guess, doesn't exist in Mexico. And it's not uncommon to get some Mexican beef with all kinds of good stuff in it or bad stuff, depending on what you're doing. You know, Alistair Overeem ate horse meat and look how big he got. Sorry about that. Needed a needed to wet the whistle there. Um, yeah, I mean that was Overeem's excuse for years. He was eating that 
that Dutch horse meat, and all of a sudden the guy went from a 185 pounder to a 265 pound behemoth. But you know, I'm not saying that that's the same way that um, Canelo went from a welterweight up to a middleweight. I would never say that. Um, you know, so with that being said, uh, I'd like to uh, hold off on Friday till I give my full pick and breakdown for that fight. Uh, switching back over UFC, Nico Montano and Valentina Shevchenko did not happen. I guess Mon- uh, Montano was nowhere close to making weight, but watching her at, you know, the workouts and, you know, just seeing her, her leading up to the fight, she appeared to be on weight. Um, it's kind of amazing that she missed weight that much or buy that much, but I mean, I I don't, I don't know what to do about that. Um, you know, so they stripped her, they're going to have Shevchenko fight somebody else named, not named Nico Montano later on this year. My guess is probably going to be the winner of the Michelle Watterson, Felice Herrig fight. If not, uh, Joanna, if Joanna wants to come up and wait. And even then, I think that's a bad fight for, um, so yeah, we'll see. I think it's inevitable. You know, Jessica Eyes pushing for that fight. She was a strawweight champ before in a different promotion, but nah, I'm not. I'm not sold on that. She's 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 so in between as far as what uh, how she looks. So yeah, uh, this weekend as well, we got UFC Moscow. That's a fight pass only event. I don't anticipate a lot of you guys watching that one. I will provide a couple picks for it. But fights like this are so heavy with local fighters, it's hard to get accurate representations of their skill levels. And in my opinion, these deep cut cards, if you will, like in Moscow or the one that's coming up in Argentina or the one that they did in Chile or some of these Brazilian cards that take place like in a, you know, an old VFW hall in a Brazilian jungle, I, I just can't in good conscience, make picks for those fights unless I know the people. So usually just reserve picks for cards like this to like the main and co-main. Um, but there's a couple fights on this card that I do know uh, and have, you know, well-formed, thought-out opinions on the fighters and the matchups. So you will get those on Friday's show. And the ones that you don't hear on Friday, I would look for them on the Patreon. Uh, only picks real quick. Last note on UFC 228, Zabist Magomed Sharapov is the truth. Um, the guy looks like he could be 22 or 72, depending on what lighting you look at him in. But uh, he is a, he is just fantastic to watch. Um, he won, you know, submission by knee bar, but it looked like a banana split to me. Uh, but it was a fantastic fight all the same. Hats off to Brandon Davis taking a fight against a guy like that on what five days notice. Uh, Jessica Andrade absolutely starched Carolina. Um, that was a, that was a mismatch from the very beginning. The odds makers agreed, which is why we never covered that fight. So that being said, Jim Miller and Diego Sanchez both won, which was great to see two legends. I had predicted on an earlier card or an early ep- episode that both of those guys might lose. I thought that their their matchups were incredibly tough for where they were at in their career. And thought the idea of maybe both of them retiring after their fights, should they take losses and bad ones at that, was a real possibility. But instead, Jim Miller came out and hit Alex White so hard he went flying across the cage and then choked him out, which was fantastic. And then Diego Sanchez just 
um, just big brothered, uh, big, big brother, Craig white all night long. Um, Craig white had no answer and wanted no part of super aggressive Diego Sanchez. So, you know, Diego Sanchez did sound a little lithby at the end with his interview. Um, I, you know, God bless him. He thinks he can still be a champ. Um, that's never going to happen. Maybe the people's champ, champion of your heart, but you're never going to have a, a belt around your waist, man. At least not in the UFC anyway. Um, maybe Cage Warriors or LFA or something like that. But it, UFC is just not in the cards for you as far as being a champ is concerned um, at this stage in the, in the career. So, yeah, I think that wraps it up for the Tuesday Touchback. Um, like I said, Friday's show might be a little bit... Um, trying to think it's up in the air. I'm not going to say we're going to go full blown cancel it because I don't know what it's going to look like here, weather and power wise. So, uh, you know, if everything's good on our end and I have the means, you will receive an episode, but, uh, I should know here probably in the next 24 to 36 hours, whether or not we got a bug out, uh, in which case I might be headed, uh, up north to higher non-coastal ground away from the beach. We'll see. But until Friday's show, or maybe even a push to Tuesday, uh, I hope everybody had a a good weekend. Like I said, it's been semi-profitable, not as big as we're accustomed to. Um, But, you know, there's plenty more to to come. I mean, this is by no means, uh, I wouldn't even call it a bump in the road because it's still a winning weekend. So we're, you know, we're still going to ride with the win, still going to take that W. Um, you know, obviously sometimes the stack in the fist is a little bit shorter or a little bit smaller, but it's still a stack all the same. So I think that, um, you know, a three unit weekend is still a good weekend. It's better than a losing weekend. So we're going to take the wins where we can get them, especially on weird and wonky weekends like this one. So until the next episode, uh, which is hopefully going to be Friday, guys. I hope you guys take care, be safe, clear eyes, full fists, can't lose, and RIP Mac Miller from one PA boy to another. Rest in peace, man. Hey, yo, the flash motherfucker in the room. Yeah, you know it's me. Bitches hating on him because he started out here locally. Hopefully, I'll be at the top soon. For now, I'm at my house on the couch watching cartoons. You know how much you love it when you get it in abundance. Give a fuck about a budget when you always be the subject of discussion. But it's nothing when you stop and just say fuck it because you walking out in public and you hear him talking rubbish. I just want to ride, ride through the city in a cutlass. Find a big buck, bitch. Somewhere get my nuts kissed. That's the way it goes when you party just like I do bitches on my dick that used to brush me off in high school take over the world when I'm on my Donald Trump shit look at all this money ain't that some shit take over the world when I'm on my Donald Trump shit look at all this money ain't that some shit we gon' take over the world while these haters getting mad that's why all my bitches bad they see this crazy life I have in A&R we gon' win you can take the loser draw what I'm in got these hoes who used to play me in they bras we gon' take over the world while these haters getting mad Take over the world Watch these haters get mad That's why all my bitches mad They see this crazy life I have Hop into the car And then uh, we take them to uh, the pad It's uh, a rap. And motherfuckers think they know me But they never met the kids They'll come with excellence And money make benevolence irrelevant
relevant for the fuckers who never been intelligent I kill my handy, break the bottle for the hell of it Tell a bitch that she better bring a friend And if she want an autograph, she better bring a pen Yeah, the party never end, this life is what I recommend And if you got a hope it for me, then she better be a 10 I ain't picky, but these girls be acting tricky When the situation's sticky and the liquor got them silly But I take over the world when I'm on my Donald Trump shit Look at all this money, ain't that some shit We gon' take over the world while these haters getting mad That's why all my bitches bad, they see this crazy life I have and they ain't all We gon' win, you can take the loser draw What I'm in, got these hoes who used to play me in they bras We gon' take over the world while these haters getting mad Take over the world while these haters get mad